Your province, your premier. With Premier Daniel Smith. Talk on FM. QR Calgary. Welcome to your province, your premier heard on QR Calgary and in Edmonton on 630 Chid. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. And if you have a question, a concern, something on your mind for the premier, you can phone or text. But a big reminder, please keep those questions or texts as short as possible. All right, Premier Smith is ready and waiting to hear from you today. We've already got a full board of uh, phone calls to get to. Premier Smith, before we go to those phone lines and texts, let's get right to it. Uh, The E. coli outbreak at Calgary Daycares, front and center, at last word, 337 cases, 12 kids in hospital, six on dialysis, a definitive source has not been identified. Uh, My understanding is more daycares have been closed as of late last night. Yeah, so we have a a bit of an update on the numbers. So it's 342 today, which uh, what we're seeing, and this is what we were hoping to see, is that the number of positive cases has, it looks, it appears to be peaking because they were growing quite significantly last week. The number of cases in hospital is stabilized at 12, and the number on a dialysis is stabilized at 6 as well. What appears to have happened is that uh, some parents, who were at the affected facility moved their children over to other daycares is what it appears to have happened and so there's six additional cases that were identified which has resulted in the closure order for those six facilities what i'm really hopeful is that they can do the same thing get clean get sanitized get cleared so that they can start accepting kids very quickly um, in the first case it was it was about four or five days that the uh, the daycares were closed before they were reopened, and so if they go through those sanitation process processes quickly, I'm hoping we'll be able to avoid too much disruption. And I believe what's going to happen next is that there's going to be testing of all of those kids to make sure that we don't have any additional cross contamination or cross infection. So it's. Um, The main message is for any parent who is involved in this initial outbreak, they have to be very, very careful that they're not uh, inadvertently causing these kinds of uh, secondary infections. Uh, Make sure that the kids are not playing with other kids until they've got their second clear and go ahead, that they're clear of E. coli, and then we'll be able to to contain this spread. That's what we're hoping to do. All right. Yesterday, you announced $2,000 for each child who has been sickened in this outbreak, along with a review of regulations that allow this to happen. The Fueling Minds Kitchen, which supplied meals to a number of daycares, have been previously cited for a number of violations. And the big question that parents are asking, and really that everyone has to be asking in light of these previous violations, how was it allowed to remain open to continue feeding our most vulnerable, our kids? Well, here's, a, I guess, that what I learned from Dr. Mark Joffe, um, our Chief uh, Medical Officer of Health, is that, that the Public Health Act requires facilities to get back into compliance when there's a violation. The health inspectors go in and they are looking for everything because they want to make sure that from top to bottom, from critical um, violations all the way down to minor ones, that it is being written up and it's corrected. And this uh, facility was in compliance after their April review. They, they addressed uh, they identified problems and they addressed them. They were not in compliance on September 5th. And so they've now been closed indefinitely, they're, um, which means that they're isn't a plan yet to reopen. We do not know what caused the, what particular food item caused this outbreak, what particular problem in the kitchen caused this outbreak. And we have to get to the bottom of that because that is the only way that we'll be able to solve it. So there's a few things we have to look at. 
one thing that is top of mind for me, having come from the service industry, I know that if you serve alcohol, there's a requirement that you have a pro-serve course. Every single person who serves alcohol has to pay $25, take a course, and make sure that they know what the uh, standards are for serving alcohol. We may have to do the same thing for food safety courses. Uh, as I understand it right now, there's a requirement for at least one person in the kitchen to have food safe courses. But maybe everyone who works in food preparation needs to, so that they know what temperatures food needs to be cooked to, how to pro safely transport, how to make sure that there isn't cross-contamination. So that would be one of the things I need to, to consult with the, with the restaurant industry and food service industry to make sure that we can implement something like that in a way that, uh, that that has a, an appropriate time frame to bring it into compliance, but that's how I'm strongly leaning. Premier Smith, how, how long how long have these current public health regulations been in place? Is there a, a a regular review process of the regulations, either within the tenure of a particular government or at the beginning of its mandate? I mean, I, I find it difficult to believe that these shortcomings in the system weren't identified before now, that somebody didn't say something, raise a red flag, that it took a tragic event like this for them to be identified. Agreed. I mean, we are in the process of a public health review. I've uh, hired Preston Manning to, as you know, to look at all of the pieces of legislation related to uh, the response that we had during the pandemic. And the Public Health Act is right in his eyesight with a number of different recommendations. So this will have to be added to it. There will be a Public Health Act revision, and we're going to have to address some of these issues. We want to get to the bottom of the first of, of it first, but uh, make no mistake, there, there will be new regulations coming. What about a public inquiry? I'd like to, you know, whatever form it takes, we have to get to the bottom of it. And uh, I understand that there's a, a class action going on um, that has already been filed. Uh, I know that we're, we've got multiple inspectors working on trying to get to the bottom of this. As I understand it, they've already tested 45 different food products. And we're going to be uh, giving as much information as we can to the public on that. So what, whatever form it takes, we, we do need to get to the bottom of it. Now, I, I want to wait until we get over the initial hump, make sure those kids are back home safe with their families, make sure that we've managed to mitigate any of the of the harm and are dealing with the long-term consequences. And then we turn our attention to what kind of uh, legislative changes need to be made, and it may involve a, a deeper investigation. All right, let's get to the phones. As I mentioned at the start, we have a full board of uh, phone calls coming in. Uh, Bob has been waiting since before the show started, so we'll go to Bob first, uh, calling from Cochrane. Go ahead, Bob. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, Premier, it's the first time I've been able to get through since your election victory, so congratulations on that, even though I know it seems long ago. Um, I wanted to ask if the uh, province might consider uh, implementing a seniors discount for the conservation, uh, Kananaskis Conservation Pass, as is done with the national parks. I think the answer to that is yes. We have um, we did campaign on giving a 25% seniors discounts for the services that are available at the registries as well as campsites. So it would seem to make sense that that would apply more more broadly. I have my tourism and parks um, minister, or sorry, tourism uh, minister working on that, forestry and parks as well. So they'll come back with a recommendation for how to implement that very likely through the budget process. So it won't be happening this fall because there'll, there'll be financial implications to it. So we'd be looking at doing that in the spring. All right. Neil is calling in from Edmonton with a question on a waiting list for surgeries. Go ahead, Neil. You're on with Premier Smith. 
Good morning. Uh, I'm 80, 83 years old. I've been uh, an Albertan all my life, and I've been paying into the health care system since day one. And now I find that uh, uh, I have to get a new knee. I have no cartilage in my right knee, uh, and uh, I, uh, my doctor's given me all the, uh, the uh, x-rays, everything else, and I've, uh, then I find that I cannot even contact, or I, nobody will contact me uh, for 14 months to even get a consultation with a surgeon. And then I have to wait another 14 months to, for the surgeon to give me a new knee. That's 28 months I have to wait for a new knee. Uh, uh, however, the, the kicker is if I have $20,000, I can get it done in a week. And I'm just wondering, what, what, what is this? I mean, uh, our... Our healthcare system is in shambles, yes, but uh, is that because some of these doctors want to become millionaires in short time and, and the, the conservative government is okay with that? I, I don't get it. I don't know why I have to wait over two years. At 83 years old, i got to wait over two years to get a new, new knee. Uh, can you answer that for me, please? Neil, you, I feel your frustration, and you're right. It's unacceptable. And that's um, it's part of the reason why we've done a couple things, where we have developed charter surgical centers so that we have a dedicated facility able to, to get the contract to, to deliver principally knee and hip replacements as well as shoulders, knees, and ankles. And they're doing a good job. In, uh, in the Edmonton area, one of the charter surgical centers up there was able to get started in November. We're going to do more of that because we recognize that those are the kind of surgeries that can be done efficiently and safely outside of the, the full-service hospital environment. And so there, there, will be, there will be more announcements on that. I know it's frustrating, but it has been my top priority since I got elected. It's the reason why we got new leadership at Alberta Health Services, why I made reducing surgical wait times a priority. And we have an aspiration that everybody should be able to get in to get their treatment within a medically acceptable period of time. And you've pointed out the second stage that we've got to deal with, which is from the time you get in, get uh, identified by your doc to get in to see a specialist, that time is way too long. So that's going to be the second step that we've got to, that we've got to address. But you will see a lot more charter surgical centers helping to, to lend a hand on reducing those lists. And it's every, every one of our aspirations to make sure everybody's getting their, their care in an acceptable time, because this is not acceptable. All right, Premier Smith, we're going to pause for a break. I'm Wayne Nelson. I'll be back with Premier Danielle Smith and more of your calls and texts when we return on Your Province, Your Premier. Clients in Bonas at 7948 Bonas Road Northwest. Bo West is my go-to. You know I'm not just saying that, Patricia. You've seen me in here. I have. I, I've actually sold you an appliance or two. <laughs> but today, it's not just about your appliances, Andrew. It's about the appliance sale of the year. Uh, we've never had a fall savings event with this kind of savings. We've got these high-end appliances. we got Mila open box product at prices that I don't think they've seen anywhere in the world on Mila products. If you want high-end appliances, you want your your built-in fridge. Now's the time to do it. These built-in fridges are going for below cost. I'm not kidding. It's time to come in for the Patricia Fall Savings Event, our biggest one of the year, our biggest fall savings event ever. You know what you want. Now come get where they'll have it for you right here on the floor. You're not waiting for a long time, months out. Bo West has you covered. Stop on by. Come say hi. The coffee's on. 7948 Bonas Road, Northwest. Your province, your premier. With Premier Daniel Smith. Talk on FM QR Calgary. 
If you're just joining us today, you are indeed listening to Your Province, Your Premier. Heard Saturday mornings for listeners throughout Alberta. At Edmonton on 630 Chad, right here in Calgary on QR Calgary. Those numbers to call, 403-974-8255 in Calgary, 780-496-0063 in Edmonton. All right, let's continue with the uh, with the phone calls. We're going to try to squeeze some text in there as well. Boy, everything is just uh, hopping crazy busy today. Uh, Don is calling in from Edmonton and we'll go to Don first. Uh, go ahead, Don. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Hello, Don. The way the federal government is sticking it to us all the time. Affordable uh, housing was supposed to be something done with it, but I'd like to get to uh, Bill C-47. Okay, go ahead, Don. And, and, uh, anyway, so basically there's a lot of people that use natural products. And uh, he wants to take that away from them, and he snuck it in on one, like snuck it in at last minute on the bill. But uh, so, like, I personally haven't seen a doctor in 20 years, and I don't plan to see one until I'm on a, a slab. But um, but why are we going to take away the this this from people? We have natural product numbers. We have they have to jump through a bunch of hoops to actually put a natural health product out. So why is the federal government taking away again from? from people and we complain about health care costs being so high if people want to look after themselves why shouldn't they have the right to do that yeah no i i'm agreement with you i think one of the problems that we have is that the this has been this has come and gone over the years many times where the i think it's the large pharmaceutical companies feel like their testing and rigor is much higher than those who are delivering vitamins and so they lobby to try to put the same restrictions on natural companies. And they're just different things. I mean, vitamin C, vitamin E, vitamin D, omega-3, like those are things that I I think are are very commonly used and there's no reason to put additional restrictions on them. So I'm sympathetic to where you're at. And I know that uh, Pierre Polyev is too. I saw the Conservative Party leader take a strong position on this. There's There's always a challenge trying to figure out what I have latitude to do at the provincial level versus what is regulated at the federal level. I don't have an, I'm watching this with great interest to see if there's some way that we can make sure that we create an avenue so that those products remain um, accessible and available in, in our province. So don't worry, it's, I'm, I'm watching it. Um, I'm hopeful that uh, the federal government will change course on this and that uh, Pierre Paul, you'll be able to have some impact there. All right, here's another hot button topic uh, that has been making headlines for the past, oh gosh, several months uh, coming to a crux this past week. Diane is calling in from Calgary with a question on affordable housing. Go ahead, Diane, you're on with Premier Smith. Hi, Danielle. Working families are living in cars in Calgary, (coughs) KOAs and truck stops, dropping their kids off at school and going to work. This is the first time many seniors have no rental home to live in and are living in cars. Homeowners should only use rental fees to pay their to help pay their mortgage, not for the full monthly mortgage fees. Families in Toronto pay five dollars per per night parquet fee to sleep in their cars and use provided washrooms. You felt such emotion for the children with E. coli the other night that I beg you to put a two-year cap on rental and make rental reasonably priced, not the twenty-six to thirty-five percent hike. Once mobile homes and more homes are built in the two years, then you could remove the cap. But please, I beg you, for all the 1.6 million Canadian children who are going hungry and the thousands without a place to live, please put or consider putting a temporary cap on rent. 
The, the problem, Diane, with what you propose is that if I put a cap on rent in two years, no one's going to want to build in our market because it'll send the signal that anytime there's uh, there's a problem, governments are going to come in and they're going to prevent them from being able to have market market rates that they're paying. And so we're going to go the other way, which is we will do rental subsidies. And I'll make sure to talk with Jason Nixon, who's our seniors community and social services minister, to see if there is a way that we can give an enhanced subsidy to those who are most in need. But I can tell you, accelerating affordability, accelerating construction is top of mind for many ministers in my in my government. And I'm just at a conference right now in Banff talking to Build Alberta. My message to them is tell us what you need us to do to clear away the red tape so we can get going on putting shovels in ground to get some of these these projects built. I know that Calgary is having a, a redo, a relook at the proposal that they turned down a few weeks ago. Yeah, special meeting this can, afternoon. Correct, to see if we can get to the finish line there. And, I, and I'll tell you, I'm also speaking to the Rural Municipalities Association and the Urban Municipalities Association this fall. My message to them is going to be, this is 911 emergency. Make, uh, make some plans for how we're going to accelerate the construction. A couple of the things that I'm seeing that I'm, I'm really liking is that there is a ton of municipal land reserve. Release that land so that it can be used for development. Have a property tax reprieves on both pers- on both the, the education property tax, which we would match, um, as well as the, uh, the property tax for a period of time on some of those projects so that it reduces the cost. I've seen the federal government say that they're going to do a reprieve on GST, on rental housing, about time. But the municipalities can really help with this if they take the model that we have in St. Albert, where they say they will give a business license in a day, they will give a development permit within a few days, and they will give a building permit in three weeks. That's the kind of, of leadership that we need to see at every single municipality. This is not just on Calgary and Edmonton to solve this problem. We've got 350 municipalities and they need a plan for how they're going to double and triple in size so that we can address this and everybody in this province has an affordable place to live. With the Urban Municipalities uh, Conference, is that is that the proper forum? You need to have people from the municipalities. You need to have people from the province. What about bringing in the federal government to have uh, a whole uh, a multi-level approach to addressing this housing? And, and it really is a housing crisis. I mean, we had 40,000 jobs created in Canada last month, but we had 50,000 people come into the country. I'm going to put here. Here's the thing. You look at where the the greatest impact could be had and the greatest impact is at the municipal level. They're the ones with the land reserve. They're the one with the property tax policy. They're the ones that charge the development levies. They're the ones that have the permitting process. So much of this is at their control. We can urge, we can cajole, we can also put in incentives. That's what we're prepared to do. And we will work with our federal government to do it as well. But it really is up to the municipalities to step up on this. Now, your government has allocated $16 million extra to fix up some government-owned affordable housing units. Now, that's in addition to funds for housing already in the budget. Is there a commitment or a, or a, a, a thought of, of investing further? Uh, absolutely. Uh, our Seniors Community and Social Services Minister, Jason Nixon, has been looking at ways that we can accelerate. the Because uh, there's two sides of the equation. Affordable housing is one, and that's what we can deal with with some of the policies that the City of Council is dealing with today. But housing, or that's a housing affordability, but affordable housing is something that we need to have an investment in. And so we have, um, have, set, has, have set aside money to be able to build, I think it's up to 25,000 new affordable housing 
uh, spaces within the next three years. And we're, we're going to have to accelerate that and do more. I think that we've got to deal with both sides of the equation on that. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, text line uh, from Calgary looks like, I would like to see more smaller one-level homes specific to seniors so that we can leave our homes for other families to occupy but remain independent living. It's, uh, it's great advice. I'll pass that on to our Minister of uh, Municipal Affairs, uh, Rick McIver, because he's doing the, the work with the builders. And so that's, that's good feedback to have. I mean, there was a period of time. I remember my very first home was one of those homes that had been built post-war in the 1950s. And it was a, a 700-square-foot bungalow. So it was a nice little size. All the living was on le- one level. It was smaller, so it was a, a lot easier to take care of. And, and maybe there does need to be some innovation in how we approach the, uh, the construction because homes got bigger and bigger. They got multi-story. And, and maybe there needs to be an, a new design so that those who are downshifting have the ability to have something more appropriate to them. I agree. All right, Lethbridge is texting in. Every year, the Canadian geese seem to be coming to southern Alberta later and staying longer. The ideal hunting season has now become January after the season is over. Any thoughts or plans toward expanding the hunting season? Ah, well, that's a new one for me. Yeah. That's uh, our, our resident expert is Todd Lowen, who is a hunter and former outfitter himself, and this is uh, his portfolio. So. Uh, I'll make sure to, that we follow up on him. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I, I do, and I also don't know if, if that's 100% within our control or if we have to, to work with the federal government on that. But if there is something wrong with the hunting season, um, I would just suggest you, you contact his office and then I'll see if I can do a follow-up to find out if uh, geese is one. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's another, uh, there are other hunting seasons that need an adjustment. He hasn't raised that with us at Cabinet, but it's a, it's a great point. All right, one more text uh, before we go back to the phones. This one from... Uh Terry Rose Maggie, short-term rentals are the bane of community residential rental housing. Uh, Residential uh, short-terms should be banned, uh, your comment. Airbnb should be banned? Is that what he's suggesting? Uh, I just said residential short-term rentals should be banned. Yeah, I I guess we have to have all kinds of of rentals available to people for all different reasons. I mean, when you think about... I talked to someone who is relocated here to, uh, and they're waiting for their home uh, for a home to be ready. They've got to get a short-term rental in the meantime until their home is complete. So I just can't see the practicality of that. In addition, you have a number of people who, in this, and especially as interest rates are going up and the cost of mortgages are going up, they are having rental suites as a way of helping to defray the cost so that they can stay in their homes. So I can understand the need to deal with any sort of nuisance or spillover effect. And we have a policy in place that allows for us to target nuisance, uh, nuisance homes and nuisance in, in communities. But I, I, I don't think that uh, a blanket ban on short-term rentals is the right way to go. Okay, we're going to come back to affordable housing and other housing concerns later. There's a whole bunch more text on that topic. But let's go to uh, Ron uh, from calling from Boness on an energy question. Go ahead, Ron. Yeah, um Premier Wayne certainly doesn't pitch you any slow pitch pitches, does he? <laughs> no, he's tough today, isn't he? Hey, pardon? He's tough today, isn't he, Ron? Yeah. Well, every every week he starts out great. Okay. Um, what is the Alberta government doing to communicate with Canadians that our Alberta energy is the cleanest in the world and that Alberta leads all of Canada in environmental stewardship? Thank you. I, thank you, Ron. 
I look at that as my number one job, and I've been doing it not only for the last uh, prior to, got, to getting into politics and the different roles I play, but I'm, I can tell you I, I do that now. I, I, I have regular communication with our federal counterparts making that point. I've, uh, it was the first point that I made when I had my meeting with, the, with the Justin Trudeau. We've had that same communication with Dominic LeBlanc and Francois Champagne and Jonathan Wilkinson and Christopher Freeland and even Stephen Guibault. We're trying to have a breakthrough there. I can tell you what happened last week. So on September 12th, we began a table with our federal counterparts to talk about how we can align on getting to carbon neutral by 2050, because that is the main thing that I hear from our industry. They are leaders in clean energy. They are leaders in emission reduction. The Pathways Oil Sands Group was the first to come out and say they can be net zero by 2050. A lot of our electricity producers say they can be net zero by 2045. We've got a new hydrogen industry that is developing. I was just at a conference this week in the industrial heartland talking about air products and their net zero hydrogen, Dow Chemical and their net zero petrochemical proposal. So I'm feeling really excited about the fact that we've got an industry that is finding a different way to develop oil and natural gas resources that reduces emissions. And I believe it's my job to make sure that we, that we have that message out. It's part of the reason I'm going to COP28 in Dubai because I feel like I'm a better communicator of everything that I love about this province than Stephen Gibault. I'm not going to rely on Stephen Gibault to send that message to the world. I'm going to be doing it. I'll also be doing it next week because we've got the we're hosting the world here with the the World Petroleum Congress. Congress. Yes, and I am going to be. Uh, uh, my my staff has said treat it like stampede. You're going to be going from one event to the next to the next to the next. I've got multiple delegations that I'm meeting with, and I can tell you the uh, the message is going to come loud and clear. Alberta is open for business. We care about affordability. We care about energy security. We care about the environment. We want to partner. We want investment. We want to be able to export our product. No one is going to be uh, is is going to get the the miss message after next week. All right. Let's go back to Will. Is calling from Radford Bridge. This is also an oil and gas question. Go ahead, Will. Yeah. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I don't think it's the cleanest oil and gas industry in the world. I worked at it all my life. I know just how disrespectful it is to the environment. You say the transition to renewable resources is not achievable. If you stop denying climate change and take action instead of pausing renewable projects, it would be achievable. You have a different set of rules for oil and gas companies as compared to renewable companies. If you really care about the children and the future generations of this province and this country, I suggest you listen to David Suzuki's survival guide. Yeah, well, and make well, it a priority. And your 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 question, Will? Why well, is there it. a different set of rules for oil and gas companies as no. compared to renewables? There's. Thank you, Will. Well, I think we got the gist of that. We'll let the premier tackle well, that. And and Will, this is this is the point. Our oil and gas companies are now required to clean up their liability, 3% of it a year, every year. They're required this year to clean up $720 million of their previous sites. I need to have the same policy for wind and solar because I can tell you that I look at a wind installation knowing that that 850 cubic feet uh, or cubic meters of cement at its base and the tower the size of the Calgary Tower and the big, um, uh, the big turbines, the blades, that's going to be $700,000 per turbine to clean up. And we're not having any requirement of them putting away bonds. 
who's going to pay for that when that comes to the end? We don't want to leave that to the landowner. Same with solar panels. We don't actually have a process right now to recycle those solar panels. Premier because Smith, that, a- tie, that ties into a, a text uh, message that I'd like to get in here on that same subject. Uh, this person says, I work in the agriculture industry and I applaud your moratorium on these renewable projects. The NDP dropped all the work Albertans did on the regional plans, SSRP, LARP, NSRP, when they came in. With no rules in place, they created this mess. Yes, companies want to invest, but too many farmers are frustrated with abuse of power contracts and they are going to be left with the end-of-life cleanup for these solar and wind turbine industrial sites. They are not farms. Uh, yep. GOA and farmers have invested too much in prime irrigated land and infrastructure to let it go to these outside bidders. What is your plan to get these regional plans completed? Oh, great question. And he, he, he made a, a lot of the argument I was going to. What I, what I will say and what I said to the build conference this morning is we need to find a way to get those solar panels built in the right place which is on the roofs of people's homes as well as the roofs of buildings so that we're not having to build a bunch of new distribution and transmission and it can defray the local cost. I am really excited about that. And we also have to site wind turbines in the right place so that we're not interfering with bats, not interfering with the migratory birds, and we also have the ability to, to ensure that we're not interfering with prime agriculture land. So when it comes to the land use framework, I've uh, given direction to my environment minister that we need to develop not only the no-go zones, but importantly, we need to develop the go zones. We need to know where the best resources are for forestry and have a plan to be able to develop that forestry. Same with critical minerals, oil and gas, but also for critical habitat, caribou habitat, and also where our economic corridors are going to be in the future. So we need to do that overlay, find out what the best places are for development, find out what the best places are for protection so that we can give that clear direction to the environmental community as well as the development community. And uh, we've only done two of them. And so uh, and two, those are both up for renewal. We've got to finish all of them so that we can give that certainty. All right, back to the E. coli issue. Uh, Stephen is calling in from Calgary. We've got about two or three calls on this topic. Uh, Premier Smith, we'll start with Stephen. Go ahead, you're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Yeah, uh, good morning, Premier. Uh, Food safety and inspection service of the government of Alberta shut down Cargill meat plant because of tainted E. coli products in 2018. If they're able to do that, why couldn't the food safety and inspection service of the government of Alberta shut down a kitchen that had five infractions this year. I know they fixed their infractions and they were allowed to reopen. By why couldn't the government of Alberta do what they did to Cargill Meat Solutions back in 2018 All right. as they did uh, as they didn't do in the kitchen. Thanks for your question, Stephen. Yeah, well, Stephen will know Cargill still operates. JBS still operates. And so it's not a permanent closure. It's a closure to fix the problem and get a pathway back to to uh, to operation. In the case of JBS, it was the Nielsen brothers. They lost the right to be able to continue operating. They had to sell to a different company. So I'm aware that when that you have to shut these things down. The kitchen is closed. It has been shut down, and it's been shut down in, indefinitely. There's a, there isn't a plan at the moment, 
to have it returned to service, um, and we'll have to wait and see the outcome of the investigation. The, uh, the Chief Medical Officer of Health indicated in the press conference yesterday that there isn't a mechanism in the Public Health Act to permanently close a, uh, an establishment for, for violations. Maybe that's a hole in the Public Health Act. That's one of the things that we'll have to investigate once we get through the immediate crisis of making sure the kids get the care. All right, Kim is calling in from Calgary. Uh, again, another E. coli question. Go ahead, Kim. Hi. Um, has anyone looked into whether or not the originally impacted E. coli sites were serviced by common transport vehicles or drivers that may have been the source rather than the kitchen or food? It's, it's, a, good, it's a good point. I've been talking to a couple of uh, restaurateurs about uh, the food safety practices. And when you've heated something to a certain level to be able to kill the bacteria, you have to maintain it at that heat. And that sounds like it was one of the violations is that there wasn't uh, the uh, there wasn't the transportation practices that allowed it to be uh, maintained at uh, either particular heat or particular cooling. That's that's one thing that we are certainly looking at in our investigation as well as where the where the source would come from. But um, it, it all roads point to this community kitchen, this common kitchen, because it's been multiple sites that have, have been impacted. And so that's where we're, we're looking at the source of the problem. And you, you may well be right that that transport may have aggravated or accelerated the problem as well if it wasn't kept at the appropriate temperature. So those are the things that are in, under investigation. We just don't have the answer to that yet. All right. Jay is calling in from Calgary. Uh, e. coli class action lawsuit question. Go ahead, Jay. Well, good morning, uh, Premier. Uh, I was just wondering, is the uh, provincial government named in the class action lawsuit? And if it is, uh, isn't uh, handing out $2,000 to each uh, these people that were affected uh, accepting guilt? No, we are not named in the lawsuit. And I think we have to be clear about this. This was a, a private operator that through practices ended up causing hundreds of kids to get sick. We are dealing with the consequences of that with our Alberta Health Services. And we're dealing with, uh, and our frontline doctors have done an amazing job of addressing it. Our public health inspectors are now get trying to get to the bottom of it. And um, we'll watch that process play out, but we're not named to it. Uh, the $2,000 is simply a compassionate um, uh, contribution because we're closing these facilities down uh, because we have to. And we know that that's going to create hardship for some of these parents. And so we think that's just the right thing to do. This is what government is for. When government comes in, has to take an action to be able to solve a problem. If it creates hardship for people, we've got to do our part in making sure that we bridge that gap. That's what it's about. And it doesn't preclude them from continuing their their, their legal action. All right. A number of questions on the text line from uh, 630 Chad regarding the housing uh, issue. Uh, I'm going to try to uh, hit all three of them before we go to a break here, Premier Smith. Uh, who is calling in here? Uh, well, uh, Dale. I think it's Dale. No, nope, it's not Dale. Anyways, uh, the Texter says, a large part of the issue with not having enough rental or affordable housing comes directly from our immigration system. We continue to bring in workers from countries that are comfortable with living in one-home communes. I work in Fort Mac and see it firsthand. If rent of an apartment is $2,000 plus a month, uh, uh, plus a single family or a young couple struggle to pay rent, the immigrants are willing to live with 10 or more working people in one house. As long as we keep flooding Alberta and Canada with immigrants from these countries, we will never solve the affordable housing problem. Uh, certainly, uh, immigration uh, has been, uh, Premier Smith, uh, called into question the immigration policies. 
Not by me. No, 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 no. I I think that we need to grow. We need to welcome people from around the world and that we need to to be aspirational. We need to set a target and understand that we are growing. We always have been growing and we're going to continue to grow. I've seen projections that we may have a 9 million population by, by 2050. And our job is to facilitate that, to be welcoming to the world and to, to find a way to keep up. So that's what we're focused on is how do we get more homes built? How do we get more tradespeople here? How do we make sure we're recruiting more childcare workers and more healthcare workers so that we can continue to keep up with the population? I think that's a more aspirational vision. Okay. We've got lots of space here. We've got amazing communities. We've got a wonderful culture. Uh, we've got an entrepreneurial spirit. We can do this. We just need the right policy. Uh, another text, many older apartment units across Alberta in small towns, uh, the government shut down for minor fixing, and then smaller rented-out units, motels in every town. Can the government give help for those to get up and going for uh, rental accommodation? Great ideas. I'll, uh, I, I'm hoping that my seniors community and social services minister, Jason Nixon, is, is uh, listening because we need to, it's all hands on deck. We need to look at all sorts of innovative solutions, whether that's tiny homes or manufactured homes or repurposing existing facilities, doing um, maintenance upgrades on other facilities. He just announced $16 million to do some of those repairs to get those types of facilities back in operation. So uh, keep the ideas coming because uh, we, we know that we are... We are growing, I think, the last seven quarters. We, we have had consecutive in-migration into our province. People want to be here. And uh, we remember it's been, it's been tough times for a lot of years, from 2014 until most recently. We were having people leave this province. So it's, uh, we, we've got to do whatever we can to start turning things around and to make sure that we're responsive to the fact that people want to be in this place. All right, time for a break. I'm Wayne Nelson with Premier Danielle Smith. We'll be back to wrap things up in our final segment on Your Province, Your Premier. Hi, Andrew Schultz here. Mornings with Sue and Andy, and I'm spending some time this morning at Bow West Appliance in Bowness at 7948 Bowness Road Northwest. Bow West is my go-to. You know, I'm not just saying that, Patricia. You've seen me in here. I have. I have I've actually sold you an appliance or two. <laughs> but today, it's not just about your appliances, Andrew. It's about the appliance sale of the year. Uh, we've never had a fall savings event with this kind of savings. We've got these high-end appliances. We've got Mila open box product at prices that I don't think they've seen anywhere in the world on Mila products. If you want high-end appliances, you want your your built-in fridge. Now's the time to do it. These built-in fridges are going for below cost. I'm not kidding. It's time to come in for the Patricia Fall Savings Event, our biggest one of the year, our biggest fall savings event ever. You know what you want. Now come get where they'll have it for you right here on the floor. You're not waiting for a long time, months out. Bow West has you covered. Stop on by. Come say hi. The coffee's on 7948 Bonus Road, Northwest. Your province, your premier, with Premier Daniel Smith. Talk on FM, QR Calgary. Wayne Nelson back with you on Your Province, Your Premier. Your opportunity to speak with Premier Danielle Smith one-on-one. If you've got a specific question you'd like answered, and that's a question, the numbers to phone or text are 403-974-8255 in Calgary, 780-496-0063 in Edmonton. We're going to go back to the phones and speak with Brian in Edmonton on a Canada Pension Disability Payment. Go ahead, Brian. Morning, Danielle. I don't know if you'll be able to answer this question for me or not. I've been uh, on K 
Canada Pension Disability since 2015. I just recently turned 65, and I was wondering why, when you turn 65, your your rate drops. Can you can you give me some background on that and tell me how much it drops? Um, I I don't know the exact figure. Uh, like I'm visually impaired, so I rely on my daughter, and I, she tells me, but I keep on, I don't have very good memory. But uh, let's just say I was getting $1,600 from Canada Pension on disability. Then when I turned 65, it went down to about $1,300. Hmm. I'll, I'll have to look into that. Sorry, Wayne, I'm getting some feedback. I don't yeah. know if you're hearing a double echo on your Yeah, there we it's are. okay now. Yeah. Got it. So... Um, the, uh, look, I mean, this is one of the reasons we're having, going to have a discussion about, um, the potential for having an Alberta pension plan. The, uh, we, I promised that we would release the report. It will be released before the end of the month and we will have a discussion. And these are the kind of things that we would have the latitude to fix if we had control over the program. At the moment, it is controlled by the federal government. And those are the, the kind of frustrations that I, I hear about a lot, um, and that is, uh, that's sort of one of the reasons why we need to have the conversation. So we'll have that conversation. And I've, I've made a note that that is something that my finance minister should raise in his negotiations and discussions with our federal counterparts. But that is, um, that's got to be, I know that's very frustrating. Those extra few hundred dollars makes a difference. And I can understand why you would think that there should be some, some uh, synchronicity there. So thanks for the feedback. At the moment, it is, it is out of my hands to be able to do anything about because CPP is a federal program. Sure. All right. Warren is calling in from Edmonton, uh, Cascade Power Project. Go ahead, Warren. Hi, I was wondering if the uh, Cascade Power Project in Edson is still going ahead or was it canceled? No, it's going ahead. As I understand it, it's 900 megawatts, and I think it's going to come on stream by the end of, end of this year. We actually have uh, three projects, uh, two additional natural gas plants that I think will bring a total of about 2,000 megawatts of new power on stream, which will help to moderate some of the electricity prices. It's been very frustrating for everyone that we've had this delay. But uh, that's the reason why we need baseload power, is it's when you have baseload power, you can rely on it, and uh, it'll bring the, the prices down. So we're, we're closing in on the finish line of getting those, those final three projects on stream. Brian is texting in from Bragg Creek, and perhaps this is uh, a subject for, uh, for provincial discussion. Uh, he says counties will not allow tiny homes to be installed on any property owned or rented. One more thing. When I said earlier that a lot of the, the problems that we have are related to, um, to municipalities and some of their zoning issues, I've, I, when I was on the air, I, I expressed that same frustration because the tiny home trend was really taking off. And I've heard exactly those, those issues. So those will be the things that I'll be raising with our rural municipalities and our urban municipalities. We've got to get more creative about being able to create true entry-level starter homes because at the moment there's a lot of municipalities that have a minimum home size that you're allowed to build and that's and that's relating that's causing some of the escalation and some of the difficulties people are having in getting affordable homes so i'm with you now this is something that is perhaps beyond your jurisdiction uh this texter says extend mortgage terms to 30 or 40 years to allow families to access larger homes this is done with no construction just a stroke of a pen seniors need housing on the back end like assisted living we're vacating ready-made homes in large numbers 
gosh, you know, I hope we don't end up having to go down that pathway where, and I've watched that in Europe where they oh, yes. have lifetime mortgages. Yeah, I have a relative in uh, in Sweden, 80-year uh, mortgage. Uh, you basically, mortgage. You, basically, you inherit the debt. At that at that moment, do you really own your home yeah. if you've got 80 years worth of mortgage payments that you're paying? So so I, I hope we don't have to go down that pathway. We're, we're working hard to make sure that we keep inflation low. With inflation low, we can start moderating some of the interest rates at the federal level. Um, I'll, um, I'll, I'll talk to my finance minister to see if there's anything we can do through our credit unions, because credit unions are regulated at the provincial level. We have ATB as a, a potential solution. I'm, I'm very, very concerned, especially as mortgages come up for renewal, people who got used to having a 2% rate who are now facing 4 or 5% rates, that's going to, to double the, the cost of their mortgage payments. And we've got to be mindful that that can put a lot of people underwater. So we're working on a whole suite of, of proposals. And, and I will take that back to Minister Horner to see if there's a way in this period while we still have the higher rates, is there some way that we can extend the, the mortgage term so that we can get more people um, uh, able to have a, a payments they can afford so they can stay in their homes. One more suggestion on the housing crisis. Uh, this one from Ian texting in. He said there needs to be a speedy way to approve development permits for multifamily projects. Development permits of the City of Calgary takes one to two years at times to get approved, and there is so much red tape and requirements. You got it. That's exactly what we're uh, what we're focused on. So I've, I've put my red tape minister, Dale Nally, in charge of, of trying to identify where some of these bottlenecks are. We've got our own problems. I mean, I understand that there have been some, some developments that have been delayed because of transportation department permits. So we've got to, to solve our own problems at the provincial level. But in doing so, we've got to put pressure on the municipalities to, to meet us partway. We should be able to get to a faster approval process so that we can say yes to these developments and then work out as we go through the process some of the things that need to be fixed along the way. I think one of the issues is that they want to have the absolute perfect every answer to every question before they say yes. And if you've got skilled developers, I think we can be a little bit more flexible of being able to, to get them get started and make sure knowing that they have certain standards that they've got to live up to. Let's just make sure that we're doing the, the check-in along the way. I'm, I was very persuaded by this in, in Nevada when they were starting to streamline their process. They said, let's just take an attitude of yes and don't give us a reason to tell you stop. And so if we take the attitude of yes, because we know that we're in a bit of a crisis, then I think everybody can work together on this. All right, here's a, a population question. Uh, text line, Alberta's population has grown substantially since I got here in 1981, but the number of campgrounds has not. Given the obvious desire for this uh, proven by the camping reservation system, are there any plans to create new provincial campgrounds? Yes, I think we, uh, I hope I don't have my number wrong. I think we approved in the budget 9,000 new spaces. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted Todd to be responsible for forestry and parks is to give him the authority to start building that out. So you'll start, be, you'll begin to start seeing some activity on that in pretty short order. It's a big priority for us. We know that there's a lot of pressure on those campsites and we need more of them. All right, uh, hot topic for you. I know Premier Smith. Marianne is uh, calling in from Calgary with a Stephen Guibo, Justin Trudeau question. Go ahead, Marianne. <laughs> Hi, Premier Smith. First of all, I, I was just chuckling yesterday when I heard uh, Lou Arab uh, outraged at Pierre Poiliev speaking on, on the mic. And, you know, he's a guy who ran a policy-empty, um, attack-focused campaign for his wife, Rachel Notley that failed and I think Lou needs to just be a little quiet but I'm I'm really curious um, 
unless I missed something, the climate meeting that Stephen Gilbo attended in China, I haven't heard anything, just heard crickets from that. And the other thing, um, so I'm wondering if you had heard uh, or been debriefed on that. And the other question I have is when you're um, interfacing with Mr. Gilbo or Justin um, individually, are they conciliatory collaborative or are they just dictatorial where it comes uh, where energy um, is concerned all right marianne i'm going to have to cut you off uh, premier smith you have about 20 seconds well i found it amusing that justin trudeau took over the pa system of a subway in toronto and nobody seemed to have an issue with that so i'll just put that out there about the utter hypocrisy that we see of people being upset about pierre polyev saying saying hi to the delegates as they were traveling back on a west jet like all right in any case stephen gibbon is a problem he is uh, strident he's ideological he is out of step with where I think regular, everyday Albertans and Canadians are. He's causing problems for his caucus, causing problems for this government, damaging relationships all over the place, and he needs to be reined in. And I've told everyone who uh, wants to ask me the question how I feel about Stephen Gibault, and I'm very straight about that. I can think I can work with many of the other ministers, and I don't understand why they're allowing him to be a maverick and a renegade and a hypocrite. Going right. to China, Premier, going to Premier China, Smith, and, we, we've and, got it. We've and got supporting it. them on their on their on their target of 2060, and and putting the squeeze on Alberta is just not right. So we're going to continue fighting that fight. All right, Premier Smith, thank you very much for your time today. You bet. Thanks, Wayne. We'll be back for your province, your on Saturday next Saturday. Hopefully, I'm Wayne Nelson. You've been listening to your province, your premier. Saturday morning, Andrew Schultz from QR Calgary, and I've got a coffee in hand, and I'm perusing the, all the items here at Boest Appliance, 7948 Bonas Road Northwest. And Patricia, we need a clarification. I think some people are unsure of scratch and dent. Well, you know what? A lot of people don't know what it is. And all that scratch and dent is is a brand new appliance out of the box. Some could have a little mark here, a little mark there. Bigger the mark, bigger the savings. However, most of them, we try to cover up most of that so that you don't see a scratch and dent, yet you still get those big savings. And today for the Patricia Falls Savings Event, the savings are like never before. I mean, we have reconditioned LG vacuums on for $99. Cordless vacuums, $99. Open box hood fans all day long today, $199. But our biggest savings on are on the most expensive products in this place. So come on down. The more you spend, the more you save. Bo West Appliance, three locations to serve you in Calgary.